Hey guys, welcome back to the Harvest Valor Podcast. I'm Pastor Gabe, and I'm so excited to spend the next few minutes with you guys to talk about the importance of team. We'll be in Acts chapter 18. The title of this one is A Team Effort. Michael Jordan said, Talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. Andrew Carnegie said this, Teamwork is the ability to work together toward a common vision, the ability to direct individual accomplishments toward organizational objectives. It is the fuel that allows common people to attain uncommon results. Henry Ford, he said, Coming together is a beginning. Staying together is progress. And working together is success. And finally, the famous Green Bay Packers head coach, Vince Lombardi, said, Individual commitment to a group effort. That is what makes a team work, a company work, a society work, a civilization work. Probably much like you guys, I love competition. I love being on a team or teams with the mindset of we will win no matter what. There's nothing like being on a team of guys who have prepared mentally, spiritually, physically in order to win the game, beat the deadline, or whatever it may be. I even love how a team comes together after loss. Do you guys remember uh, Tim Tebow's iconic promise after his team just lost at home to Old Miss? He said this, I just want to say one thing to the fans and everybody in Gator Nation. I'm sorry, extremely sorry. I promise you one thing, a lot of good will come out of this. You will never see any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season. And you will never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season. And you will never see a team play harder than we will play the rest of the season. They went on to win the BCS National Championship that year. It wasn't Tim Tebow against other teams. It was Tim Tebow and his team. I love the acronym for team. It is, together everyone achieves more. That is so true, especially in ministry. And you might say, ministry? Yeah, think about this. Pastor Greg can't have a successful Sunday ministry if he has to study and look over his notes, lead the parking lot ministry, then run over and make sure the children's ministry is prepared, make coffee and hold up welcome signs, hand out bulletins, usher people to their seats, pick up a guitar and lead worship, and then walk up on the podium and preach. He wouldn't have the same impact because he wouldn't be as laser focused on the task the Lord has entrusted him with. He needs you. He needs me. He needs a team. And speaking of team, it's a big deal to also have the right people on your team. The Los Angeles Rams just won the Super Bowl. Some say they bought a championship, but I say they did all they could within the rules to win. They bought the right players. I mean, they got the right players they needed in order to succeed. Guys, we need to surround ourselves with the right players or teammates to win or succeed in ministry and in life. We can't do this on our own, and Paul didn't do it on his own. Luke tells us here in chapter 18, of the book of Acts, the Lord brought Paul a few key teammates that would help him. And in this chapter, the Lord added Aquila and Priscilla and also Silas and Timothy to Paul's team. And guys, like Paul, when you are in God's will and are being led by the Spirit, he will bring good people along the way. He did that just for Paul. In Romans eight fourteen, it says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. And God is good to his kids, right? Paul was being led by the Spirit to the places God wanted him to minister to, which would have been true of Athens. When his time in Athens was complete, Paul departed from the city of Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and made his way to Corinth and then on to Ephesus. While Athens was the intellectual center of Paul's day, Corinth would have been the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire, wicked and immoral. 
And it was in Corinth that Paul wrote the letter to the Romans. Corinth, being a city whose reputation for immorality was so widely known, a person's effort to describe someone's immorality, they would say they act like a Corinthian. And when Paul, think about this, when Paul entered Corinth, there was not a single Christian in it. And when he left, there were literally hundreds of Christians. I love what H.A. Ironside said of this city, said, But the gospel wins its greatest triumphs where the outward circumstances seem to be the very worst. For God delights to take up great sinners and out of them make great saints. Here we go to Romans 18, verse 1. It says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. Rome had recently encountered a rise in anti-Semitism, and Aquila and Priscilla were forced to leave their home and move their business to Corinth. By trade, they were tent makers. So the couple shared not only the same vocation as Paul, but they also shared the same life experiences as Paul as well. And because they were tent makers, Paul stayed and worked with them. And on his day off, verse 4 says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. I love this. I've known so many men over the years here at Harvest who, like Paul, are called to full-time ministry, but work a hard 40-hour-a-week job away from their church, and they give their time and, and energy to the ministry when they get off work. The Apostle Paul was a man consumed by his calling and his mission. And while he was a man spirit-empowered and led, he was still just a man like you and I. A man sought to please God and proclaim God's glory. And we as men need to be consumed by our calling and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. A perfect example of this is Pastor Greg. He knew his calling and he's been proclaiming Jesus Christ for nearly 50 years even through the ups and downs of life, the mountaintop experiences, as well as the hard times in the valley, we need to trust in the Lord. Grow from our past experiences, regardless of the outcome. It's all in the Lord's hands. We need to keep moving forward. Paul was a man that had life events and experiences that he wished would change, and yet he came to know and understand that the grace of God in his life was sufficient when he felt weak. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10 says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. While our text does not exactly say Paul was battling fear, his letter to Corinth states it clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-3 through three says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. This is why we will find the Lord's exhortation to Paul in our next section. He arrives in Corinth in weakness, fear, and trembling. And fear and trembling is a phrase commonly used to describe anxiety. Are you feeling a little anxious today? The world is on the brink of war. 
Who isn't feeling a bit of anxiety? But even in the midst of all of this, anxious or fearful, remember the Lord is faithful to his sons. And I believe we're in the last days. And the Bible tells us in multiple places that in the last days when the going gets tough, we are given an exhortation and instruction about what to do when it does. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who was promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and in good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, when the going gets tough, do not let the enemy drive you away from the rest of the team where you are isolated by the very things and people you need to endure and hold fast to. Guys, we need each other. We need to hold on to each other. We need to exhort and build up each other. And when you feel like you need more people, God will add that. Acts chapter 18.5 says, When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Silas and Timothy brought with them good news about the Thessalonian church and a missionary offering from Philippi so that Paul was free to exclusively teach the word and set aside the tent making. This was in addition to the blessing of the reunion with faithful Silas and Timothy, whom Paul often called my son. As soon as Paul committed to full-time preaching, the Jews opposed and blasphemed him, and the scene became a repeat of past experiences. And Paul says to them what Ezekiel wrote of in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but, I, but his blood I will require at your hand." Verse 19, yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Even though Paul spoke boldly and truthfully to and about those who opposed him, and even through Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue and and his family, they got saved. Even though he had moved into the home of justice, one who worshiped God, Paul was obviously thinking about what had happened to him before. Acts chapter 14, 19 says, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, and supposing him to be dead. Acts 17, 5, But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out of the people. So here is Paul, having been stoned by the Jews, beaten and arrested by the Jews, had the home he was staying in attacked by the Jews, and now he was staying in the home of a Christian brother right next to the synagogue of the Jews. Pretty amazing. Guys, I'd like to finish our time with these verses. These are the verses that the Lord put on my heart at the beginning of the year. Acts 18 verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid. But speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. So the Lord spoke to Paul in a night vision, not a dream, but a vision, meaning Paul was awake and told Paul, do not be afraid, do not keep silent. He says to Paul, I am with you 
and no one will attack you or hurt you, for I have many people, and I am going to save through you in this city. And Paul stayed in Corinth for 18 months, teaching the word of God to sin city. Here's what this is saying. Do not allow opposition to stop you from serving. This is more relevant in our day than in any other. Even then in Paul's, I say this for one reason. Paul didn't have the internet. Paul didn't have people from every part of the world via smartphone or computer who could attack him or slander him. Today, the opposition against us as Christians is louder and greater than in any other time in history. And we must do what Paul did when he arrived in Corinth, came preaching Christ and him crucified. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, when they call you intolerant, keep preaching Christ and him crucified. When they call you a hater, keep preaching Christ and him crucified. When they call you a fool for believing in creation, keep preaching Christ and him crucified. When they deny the inspiration and fallibility of scripture, keep preaching Christ and him crucified. Do not ever let the enemy stop you from serving the Lord. The Lord is saying to the church today, do not be silent about me. There are many more I want to save. I believe the church needs to remember today that faith comes exclusively by hearing the word and it is the devil who is trying to keep the church silent or distracted from teaching the word of God. We need to take the Billy Sunday attitude about fighting the enemy when he said this, I'll kick the devil until I have no foot, punch the devil until I have no fist. I'll bite the devil until I have no teeth. And when I am footless, fistless, and toothless, I'll gum him until I go home to glory. When opposition comes, keep serving God and preaching Jesus. Men, we need to build up a team that changes the world because God is on the move. The Lord did it through Paul with the help of others. And in this chapter was Aquila and Priscilla, as well as Silas and Timothy. He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through me. He will put together the perfect team for us. Remember that team. Together, everyone achieves more. Michael Jordan didn't win a championship by himself. Tom Brady didn't win a championship by himself. Kobe Bryant didn't even win a championship by himself. They all were part of a team with one goal, to win the championship. Our goal is to proclaim the gospel, lead our families and others to Jesus, and we will watch the world turn right side up. If you are not in a small group, get in a small group. You guys will study God's word together. You guys will build each other up. Remember this, verse 9 and 10, do not be afraid, but speak and do not stay silent. God is on the move. He is coming back. Let's get ready. God bless you guys.